Xbox On. Welcome to Xbox On, a podcast with one host about one console, Xbox. I am said host, Jesse DeRosa, and on today's episode, we'll be talking about the latest Xbox news for the week of September 9th, 2021, including Alan Wake is getting a remaster that is set to release soon, 343 learned some stuff from the Halo Infinite test flight, conversations surrounding paid versus free next-gen game upgrades is getting real, and more. I was in the zone to record this week's podcast, and then right as I started to record, my cat walked up, got on the desk, and started being all cute, and then got off, and I had to restart the recording, and now I'm just all distracted. I want to spend some cat time. I don't want to talk to you about fucking video games. Just kidding. Well, not kidding. That really did happen, but but here. It's episode 118 of Xbox On. Welcome, everyone. I hope you're nice and cozy. September is well upon us. Uh, it's, it's, it's the fall season. It's the Halloween season, so hopefully you're getting nice and cozy with your pumpkin spice latte or a chai tea latte or whatever it is you're into these days getting all ready for another spicy week of 20 percent xbox news and 80 percent bullshit comments now this week i want to just jump straight into the corrections and whatnot because i don't have a cute opener really something i would just like to say for those of you who listen to the show on spotify and noticed some issues with last week's episode compassionate choice llc wrote in and said good show however I listened on Spotify, and at the end of the show, it looped about 18 minutes over before ending. So, not sure what was up with that. I didn't experience that problem with any of the versions that I uploaded or tested, so I'm not I'm not sure what that was or how to fix it, but uh, I'm just going to play it off as a total intentional move and, and try to be all cool about it. And be like, yeah, only, only OGs, only the diehard Xbox On fans will have made it far enough into the show to know that there's an additional 18 minutes of looped bullshit that wasn't supposed to be there. That's uh that'll be a deep cut. Well, when this show's like 600 episodes in and our audience is like 20,000 listeners and then and we're super famous and everyone's like, you know, driving Maseratis and stuff, we'll all, you know, us real OGs will remember episode 118 how it looped. And you know it or I guess last week was 117. Fuck. All right, couple of corrections, little things I want to address before we jump into this week's run of show. Mojo wrote in to correct there's some something that was brought up last week that I didn't I didn't fact check and then Mojo went ahead and, and did the the digging to confirm and says yes the hamburger was invented in Texas of all places in the late 18th 1800s uh, FYI and totally agree Kotaku is the worst basically clickbait bottom of the barrel gaming news and I totally play foreign games and watch animes in their native language for authentic feel so I hear you there, bro. Well, that was really just for the fact-checking of, you know, I assumed Amer- uh, uh, that that burgers were American, but I didn't I didn't fact-check. You know, there's always the case. There's there's always the possibility, especially with American food, that's like, that, that might be German. You know, it's like I, I, the U.S. and Germany are so close in a lot of ways, both Germanic languages and both a lot of, like, shitty, over-the-top meat-based food that, I, you know, sometimes there's something I want to assume is American. I'm like, mm, that could be German. So I don't know. Well, <laughs> thanks for the clarification, Mojo. And, and yeah, now obviously that was a string of in things responding to last week's show. So not all of that made context, but I wanted to read the full thing because yeah, Kotaku is literally the fucking worst website in in gaming uh, in gaming news uh, without a doubt. Reset era and in in what is it like what is it like nine chan and all that five chan whatever they're called. Like, even those websites, I know those aren't news websites; those are like forums, but. Even those gaming-related sites 
are better than Kotaku. <laughs> Real shit. Those sites are probably less toxic than Kotaku. Oh yeah, Mojo says, P.S. I'm feeling like that Megan commenter from last week is maybe trolling you. Quite an odd comment, but you never know. Cheers. Well, Mojo, put a pin in that, because we'll, we'll get back to it when we get into the comments. Okay, so that's out of the way. That has been corrected. That has been addressed. Now, there are two... Stories we're not going to include in the news, but I do want to address because one's relevant to me and one's just a huge story. So the first one, let's start with the huge story one. This has been blowing up. A lot of people have been talking about this. Here's an example of uh, of a video game, quote-unquote, video game news story that I don't find relevant because of its political involvement. Now, generally, you know, my thing on politics is in this podcast, we're only going to bring it up if it has, you know, if it has to be said. If it's something like, like Phil Spencer said he hates Republicans and is using Xbox Connect to spy on Republican gamers and is using that information to uh, sell to the Russians. You know, if it's something like that, it's like, oh, shit, that's very Xbox related. That's very political related. We can't not report on it. You know, that we're, we're going to have to talk about that story. But generally, if if it's just political for the sake of being political and, and it doesn't actually affect gaming news, I try to forget it. But the thing is, this story has been just blown up like crazy. So I'm going to address what the story is, mostly just to say, yes, I see this story. We're not talking about it because it's not relevant. And two, because this gives you an idea of what I mean by we're not going to get in depth and nitty gritty on these quote-unquote political game stories that aren't actually relevant to gaming. So anyway, Tripwire, the the developer, actually, they're from Georgia. Uh, they're, they're from, like, this developer is actually, like, tw 20 minutes away from where I grew up. Um, they're the uh, developers behind uh, Maneater most recently, which was published by Ubisoft. Uh, Chivalry 2, which is a pretty well-received recently released game from them. Actually, that was their most really recent release. And also the Killing Floor games, Killing Floor 1 and 2, which are two games I've had on my backlog for maybe like five, six years now. But they're, they're, the CEO of the company, John Gibson, has uh, stepped down following a lot of controversy because of some tweets he made in support of a current law that, that was just passed in Texas uh, regarding abortion. Now, Again, this this is the perfect example of a story that is political, but I think doesn't belong really on the pod, on the podcast because this isn't really anything about the game developer specifically, anything regarding games and effects in any way any of the games we're playing or we care about. This is really just like the internet reacting to a guy who just so happens to work for a game company and basically wanting him off the internet and wanting him off this company just because they don't agree with his politics. Now, you know, we don't have to get into what his political stance is and where we fall on that because, again, it's not relevant to the story. But this is the perfect example of like, okay, this guy was voicing his personal opinion on social media and he just so happens to work for this company. And now he doesn't work for this company anymore. You know, he stepped down. That was his choice or I'm sure he was talked into it, whatever. But it really has nothing to do with the developer, nothing to do with the games. Not really sure why this is a big video games news story, but uh, I don't really want to. Obviously, we've given, I've given attention to the story by bringing it up. So it sounds stupid for me to say this, but I don't want to give attention to the story by being like, oh, here's a big breaking story we got to get to this week because not really relevant. All right. Uh, you know, if it was something like the CEO of this games company is putting uh, subliminal messages, subliminal pro Israel messages in their game uh, because they're taking money under the table from the Israeli government. It's like, okay, okay, shit, we got to talk about that. But nope, not not really 
political, politically slash video gamely related, whatever. Next, this is the more important of the two stories. Uh, Sonic Colors Ultimate. Yes, yes, I know. No one on Xbox gives a shit about Sonic except maybe seven-year-olds. Jesse, what are you on about with this blue hedgehog? Shut the fuck up, okay? Sonic Colors Ultimate is out now, but we have to talk about something because... Uh, someone out there this week asked me about it, and I recommended it to them, and I just just want to be transparent about this. There's been a lot of news going around that this game is rough. This is, a, of course, a, a port slash remaster. It's really more of an up-res port of the 2010 Wii game Sonic Colors, but it's, on, it's now on Xbox, PlayStation, PC, Switch, the whole nine. And there's a lot of shit going around that this game is really poorly ported. It's in rough shape, desperately needs patching, basically unplayable in its current state. And I want to address that because one, I've already recommended this game to someone in particular in this audience, and I don't want you to feel like you've been misled. And two, just because I always talk, you know, talk up Sonic, I don't want anyone in this audience to be like, oh, you know what, maybe I'll give this game a try and then be like, Jesse, you fucking just encouraged me to spend $40 on a broken game. So this is basically because I'm, I'm, I'm balls deep in the Sonic community, so I, 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 I follow this stuff. This is basically how this story has been playing out. If you buy this game right now, if you're playing on a Series X or a PS5, fuck off. Or PC, fuck off. It's not even a, it's not even a deal. Uh, to my understanding, even the PS4 and the Xbox One version of the game are completely fine. The problem is the Switch port, which which has a lower frame rate, just chugs a little more. It's on older, shittier hardware. Uh, is apparently it's apparently not properly optimized, so the game isn't looking and running great. Now there have been some videos floating around on social media, like the game just kind of bugging out and being stupid. But what we also found out a few days after these reports came out is that a lot of the videos were faked. There were people who were faking some of these videos and doing some special effects and tricks to make the game look extra rough, just kind of for the clout and attention and, you know, just drawing some traffic to their Twitter page or the Reddit page or whatever it is. So I do want to just point out that there's also a lot of false accusations about the way this game is performing. I've already played through and beaten the game on my Series X, and actually... Actually, I can't speak to the Xbox One version. I played half the fucking game on my stream on Xbox One, so I actually played it extensively on both Series X and Xbox One. The game definitely has some very minor, almost negligible performance uh, or optimization issues. Like, And what I mean by this is like load times are just a touch longer than they should be. Um, I think I had the game freeze on me once on Xbox One, but I, I played through the entirety of the campaign and then some, and the game froze one time and then never again. But yeah, the, the big thing is it's just like menus and load times can sometimes chug a couple seconds longer than they should. Definitely something that should be addressed with a with an update and a, a patch, and and Sega has announced that they are, the the, the port studio Blind Squirrel that, that ported the game, they've already announced that they're working on a patch. So there is a, there is an update on the way, and I don't, I don't mean to like give them a total pass, like don't release your game if it's not ready, for sure. But it's not, they haven't released a broken, unplayable piece of shit game. The game has some tiny optimization issues that are pretty much in line with what most games experience today. As, as we know, most games today never really release in a totally ready state. So it, it's kind of just those like first week of release teething pains, you know. I can't speak to the Switch version. I don't have it on Switch. But at least as far as the Xbox One and Xbox Series X uh, performance of the game, it's fine. So I just I just want to put that out there. You're gonna see a lot of negative news on the performance of this game if you look it up. But I just want to you know put that out there. An update is on the way. Also, a lot of this is overblown. So if any of you out there have been influenced or at least you know interested at all in this game as a result of my my chronic 
Sonic the Hedgehog fandom. I just want to let you know, I am not leading you astray. You are not about to embark on a game that is completely broken and will make you go, wow, I just wasted $40. If you truly feel that way, like the game is a broken piece of shit, DM me on Twitter. I'll refund you the fucking money, but you're not going to feel that way because it's it's not it's not as bad as the internet's making it out to be. Anyway, so those are the things I want to address at the top of the show. Now we can jump into the comments, but before we do, uh, give me my not even two minutes. This time, give me give me 45 seconds to plug real quick, guys. The Twitch is stagnating a little bit. I want to see it grow a little bit. So boys and girls and, and non-binary listeners, listen up. This is an opportunity for you to make a difference in my life. You can follow me on Twitch at twitch.tv slash lightning extreme where we are streaming every monday and thursday night at 8 p.m eastern time guys trying to get those twitch subs up a little bit and here's why we're at 70 if we can hit 100 twitch subs and 50 follower or sorry 100 twitch follows i need to stop calling subs 100 twitch followers and then 50 subscribers on my new youtube page which is also youtube.com slash lightning extreme then we will launch an xbox on or a lightning extreme whatever you want to call it discord channel you call it just a discord i don't know I, i've been thinking about doing this for a while and a couple of you have reached out to me and be like hey do we have a discord yet is there a discord i want to do this i want to make a discord a thing i, I want my phone's battery to be depleted 30 percent faster every fucking day because we got people blowing up the phone about the Taco Bell menu changes and Lethal Migraine just hating on everything that everyone likes. I, I want to make this a reality, so help us get to 50 sub subs on the Lightning Extreme YouTube page. Help us get to 100 follows on twitch.tv slash Lightning Extreme so we can do the Discord. I, I really want to keep growing the Twitch and the YouTube. I'm, I'm enjoying doing these new ventures, but I need your guys' help. Please help me. I, I, I'm I'm out here. I'm begging for your help. It is so pathetic. It's so sad. I'm on my knees. I got my hands together. I'm crying. I'm sweating. It's really quite embarrassing and disgusting to look at, but here I am doing it anyway. All right. With all that out of the way, guys, let's jump into the comments. Starting out with a, with a, a little note. It's kind of a moderate to slow, like kind of slow, kind of moderate news week, and we got a ton of comments. So we'll, we'll do comments for as long as it seems natural, but I, I just want to I just want to warn you that it's that end of summer lull here where the, just the, the news isn't flown. All right, I said put a pin in it. I said put a pin in it, Mojo, regarding Megan in the porno comments from last week because we got an update. Megan, who is now known as Headhunting Halo, nice alliteration there, says, What's up, Jesse? First thing, lol, I'm a dude, not a girl. I need to know how to change my username, which you've clearly already done because now you're Headhunting Halo. I only have this name, Megan, because it's my wife's account and I don't know how to change it. Please help me. Second, Jesse, I wish you would told I wish you would have told me your favorite title for my porno lol. Third, what happened to the talk Taco Bell Cat and Crunch Bites? Fourth thing is that I love your show. I love your show tonight. Cat was cracking me up. So Headhunting Halo, formerly Megan, or colloquially known as the person who asked about porno names, I would like to first of all say thank you. Thank you for introducing yourself and explaining yourself and coming on the show to, to invite us all into your wacky mind here that has uh that has thought that that asking us for porno titles would be a good way to uh, make yourself known I, I would like to say i vaguely remember there being captain crunch bites on the dessert menu at taco bell a long time ago i want to say this was like seven or eight years ago what a reach there hang on let me look this up yeah the taco bell fandom wiki page Yep, these were real. Let's see. The Taco Bell's Cat'n Crunch Delights are pastries available at Taco Bell's breakfast menu. The delights are warm, light pastries coated with fruity crunch berry cereal filled with creamy sweet milk icing. Launched in on July 2015, so six years ago. 
Uh, yeah, they are. Let's see. It says. It says. I want to just say this. Grub Grade gave the pastries a seven out of ten, while long tenured food review site The Impulsive uh, Buy gave the morning snack only a two out of ten. Both websites called the food excessively fryy slash oily in texture. They look good. I never had them, but I do vaguely remember seeing an ad for these. So I don't know how long they've been off the menu, but there you go. Doesn't seem like they're around anymore. Oh, head hunting Halo, you also got a couple of PSs here, postscripts, if you will. You say, Jesse, my gamer tag is head hunting Halo. My name is Brock. Okay, Brock. So you're not Megan. You're Brock. You're head hunting Halo. You're not Megan. Okay. What are you most excited about in Halo Infinite? You gonna pull an all all nighter? Also, does sugar belong on watermelon? All right. I, I love how so many of you guys don't just comment with one question. It's not like, what are you most excited for with Halo Infinite? It's like, what are you most excited for a Halo? Also, what's your favorite brand of toilet? paper it's like whoa calm down okay let me try to address these two very unrelated things in one in one succinct response okay with halo infinite the thing i'm absolutely most excited about is the campaign halo's multiplayer is incredibly important you know halo multiplayer has had such an impact on multiplayer first person shooters in general obviously revolutionized and in in really made first person shooter online multiplayer games a viable thing in the console space but I, at the end of the day when it comes to halo my favorite aspect is always the campaign so i'm gonna do with halo infinite the same thing i do with every halo when it comes out the second that thing is available i'm gonna boot up the campaign and get lost in that story before i jump into the multiplayer because that's that's what i care about the most now i don't know the, the story the campaign's supposed to be a little longer in infinite so maybe i'll you know just run through half the campaign and then take a break, play some multiplayer and get back to campaign. I don't know. But my, my thought is, yes, I'm absolutely going to pull an all-nighter. I've got, I've got like five days off work, you know, starting with the day this game comes out. So I'm playing inf- Infinite all night long. I'm ordering pizza. I'm drinking dew. I'm playing through the campaign. I have all the intention of the world of giving every ounce of my undivided uh, time and attention to this game and, and nothing else. So that is the plan. Headhunting Halo, Brock. Now, does sugar belong on watermelon? I have no fucking idea. I didn't know that was a thing. Is this a thing? Do people put, do people add sugar to their watermelon? Watermelon's already sweet. Why are you adding sugar to it? It's like, do you add sugar to your sweet tea? Do you order sweet tea and then put more sugar in it? I don't know. It sounds wrong. Uh, I Do I put sugar on my watermelon? I've never tried it, and I have no intention of doing so. I think watermelon tends to be uh, adequate in the sugar department. If anything, what watermelon really needs is maybe a little bit of that tagine, that spicy stuff. Oh, also, and then your last postscript says, by the way, Fuddruckers is the best burger joint. Love pouring that nacho cheese all over my burger. If you've never had it, it's basically choosing your own size beef, and then they have a bar of condiments. Headhunting Halo, I actually have had Fuddruckers many, many times. I grew up not too far from a Fuddruckers. I I will say, I think Fuddruckers has degraded in quality and consistency greatly in my lifetime. Now, maybe it's just because I'm older, but when I was a kid, I loved Fuddruckers. It was fun. It was over-themed. It was tacky. They had like a, a Elvis Presley and a Rolling Stones food booth you could sit in. They had a video game arcade. It was fucking awesome. And yes, I love going to the condiments bar, pouring the nacho cheese all over my fries and, and the toppings bar going nuts with the lettuce, the tomato, the pickle, the onion, the mayo, the mustard, everything. Just going super ham on the condiments. I I loved Fuddruckers, but the Fuddruckers I grew up around, which is the only one I think I've ever been to, although I think... I think there's a Fuddruckers not too far from me now. Anyway, the the only one I've ever been to, they eventually, like, neutered it. They did the, the modern thing that every fucking restaurant slash theme park slash entertainment venue slash movie theater is trying to do where they're like, all right, let's uh, let's install 100,000 windows 
turn up the brightness to max brightness. Uh, let's take out all the charm, all the theming, all the carpet, all the uh, decoration, and replace it with a couple chairs and pottery barn tables and call it a day. And so now Fuddrucker is, is completely devoid of all charm and personality. It looks like someone fucking died in there in the middle of like a like the summer Florida, a Florida summer rather. And honestly, I feel like, you know, I, the last time I had it was probably like five years ago. But the last time I had Fuddruckers, I felt like the burger didn't taste as, as good as I remembered it being. So, oh, also, I think Fuddruckers got Coke Freestyle Machines and fuck Coke Freestyle Machines. So headhunting Halo, not to not to shit all over a thing you love. If you love Fuddruckers, more power to you. But I, I used to love Fuddruckers, but you know, maybe, maybe it's time to give them another try. You know, it's been, it's been long enough and I've never been to a, another location. Maybe I should try the one over. I'm pretty sure we have one over by Disney. So maybe I need to go give them a try and see how they're doing in 2021. Headhunting Halo, not Megan, not a porn star, just a commenter. Thank you for writing in today. Next up, we got a comment regarding the video game. It takes two. Also, A&W root beer, not just the root beer. They're a restaurant too, you know. Headshot, not to be confused with Headhunting Halo, who's also uh, known as Brock, who is not Megan or a porn star, wrote in to say, Greetings and salutations from America's far superior neighbor to the north. Being from Canada, I have to give some love to A&W, a popular fast food chain, a main rival to McDonald's up here, famous for the root beer, and home of the burger family. I personally go for Papa Burger or Teen Burger. They have middling food, basic bitch fries, and the beef is generally over-seasoned, but hey, it's ours, and since you Yanks have laid claim to our beloved Tim Hortons, it's all we got. If you ever give it a try, I recommend swapping the fries out for the far superior onion rings or sweet potato fries. Headshot, first of all, and I don't mean this as a slight to other people who write in. This is just as a, I just want to compliment you. This is a very well written, very grammatically pleasing comment. I felt like I was able to read this very smoothly and, and, and with ease because you just did such a good job writing it. So first of all, congrats to you. Maybe that's a testament to the public school system in Canada or the school system in Canada. I don't know how you guys go to school in Canada, but nonetheless, thank you. I appreciate the comment. Welcome to the show. Also, greetings from Canada. You guys are, I just saw an ad the other day. It's like, Canada is now open. Come visit Canada. So I'm like, ha, ha, ha. I doubt you guys want us Floridians going over there and killing everyone with the Delta. I'm just kidding. No, but uh, no, I'm, I'm, I'm happy for you guys. It looks like you guys are returning back to normalcy over there in Canada, our friends in the north. Listen, Headshot, I know what A&W the restaurant is. We actually have a couple of them here in Orlando. It's really weird because I've always known A&W restaurants existed. And growing up, we had one not too far from where I grew up that eventually closed. But they were they were very few and far between in Georgia. There are almost no A&W fast food joints in Georgia. But in central Florida, around the touristy spots in particular, there are not a ton of them. They're not like Starbucks or McDonald's, but there's a handful. I think we have like three or four that I can think of. There's like the outlet malls have them. The regular malls have them in the food court. There's one at, yeah, there's there's a couple. There's one, yeah, there's one really close to me, actually. Not really close to me, but close to me. So, yes, we have A&W. I don't know why I'm, why I'm going on and on about this, but I actually had it recently. Last year, my girlfriend and I stopped by and just grabbed a burger Real quick, to share, just to be like, oh yeah, let's reacquaint ourselves with an A&W burger. It's been a while. And I gotta say, while I can't speak to the fries, can't speak to the onion rings, can't speak to the root beer floats, which I'm sure are great, because I'm very familiar with A&W root beer itself, uh, I must say, I think the burgers at A&W are pretty solid. I think, uh, like, I like a shitty fast food burger, and I, I tend to think an A&W burger 
is definitely in the upper middle tier. It's, you know, it's it's definitely better than a Burger King burger. It's better than a Checkers burger. It's definitely no McDonald's or, you know, anything like that. But I think I think it's pretty good. It's very similar to like a Sonic drive through burger, although I definitely prefer the Sonic burger by, you know, by a smidge. But you know what? I'm, I'm a fan of the A&W. And if anything, it's one of those restaurants I always tell myself I want to go to more often. But for whatever reason, I never do. I guess it's because we don't really have A&W with a drive through Our A&Ws are always like... Not out of the way in terms of distance, but out of the way in that it's like it's always located in like a mall or something. Like I gotta go park somewhere and walk into a fucking building and pass other stores and deal with crowds. I can't just easily access an AW like I can a McDonald's. So that's why I don't go there as much. But I, I respect AW. I think they're good. Also, Tim Hortons. I've never been to Canada, but the one time or my most recent trip to New York, which is to say my only trip as an adult to New York, there was a Tim Hortons in the airport. And I was like, ooh, I gotta I got I gotta try that while I'm here. I've heard about this place, and then I didn't do it. And I was like, ah, fuck it. We got Dunkin' Donuts at home. It's all the same shit. So there's that. But thank you for writing in. I really do appreciate when you guys bring up a fast food chain that doesn't get enough attention. Because listen, I love talking about Taco Bell all day and everything, but I think there's a time and place for the AW, for the Raisin Canes. Uh it breaks my heart that none of you have ever written in in support of Sonic Drive Thru, one of my favorite fast food restaurants, which I actually went to this past week. But yeah, thanks thanks for the write-in. And oh also you have a little postscript here as well. You say because remember, this was supposed to be about It Takes Two, um, but I ended up talking about food. You say, have you dipped your toes into It Takes Two yet? Absolutely loving it. This game with my girlfriend, charming game, simple, fun puzzles, brilliant mechanics. One minute it's a platformer, then you're sailing a boat with other characters, shooting cannons or flying a plane uh, while she engages, sorry, full tilt fighting game while standing on the wings. There's even a whole chapter where the game becomes a lovely little top-down dungeon crawler Diablo style. Plenty of fun mini games sprinkled throughout. Overall, this game is at 9 out of 10, my personal game of the year, and I'm not even a platformer guy. Wonderful little little game to lure casual gamers like my girlfriend over to the dark side. She can't get enough of it. Get on it, Jesse. So it takes two. I've heard between the podcasts I listen to and just random recommendations, I've heard so much goodwill about this game from the guys that did a way out. It's that it's that co-op game. This is uh, Joseph. What's his name? Joseph Farin or Joseph. I forget his last name. It's the guy from the game, that famous Game Awards clip where he's like, fuck the Oscars. He's like that crazy guy that's always at the Game Awards. He's that European movie director, that turned game developer. Anyway, he's, um, people love this game. People really love this game. I've actually heard recommendations from this, not just from like video game podcasts I listen to or video game YouTubers I watch, but also like, like there's a, there's a political podcast I listen to where they were really talking up this game. I'm like, this is a... There's a, you know, they were talking this game up on, on the, on the Windows X, on the Windows Microsoft podcast I listened to. Like, I've heard this game talked up in really weird places that I wouldn't expect to hear people talk about it. But it's just one of those games where it's like everyone who's played this game simply loves it. Everyone gets really charmed by it, really engulfed by it. Everyone seems to think that's incredibly unique, incredibly one of a kind, really fun game for a co-op experience, even if you're not generally a co-op person. So I, I got to take everyone's word for it because I haven't heard a single bad word on this game. I'm sure it is great. And I, I definitely want to play it. This is a game I would like to try with my girlfriend. It's just one of those games where it's like, I don't know. I'm just, I, I don't know what I'm waiting for. I guess it's going to be one of those things where one day you'll see it on a, on a game sale for like $17 and you'll impulse buy it and then you'll give it a shot. But I'm, I'm not going to go out of my way to buy this game, even if it does deserve it, just because it's one of those things where it's like, I'm really intrigued by it and I believe everyone's positive reaction to it, but 
I'm just there's so many other things I'm inundated with that it's like I'm not going to go out of my way at the moment to seek this game out. But I am excited to eventually get around to it, and I do appreciate you writing in about it because, God, this, it really just does seem like everyone loves this game. All right, now this next comment from Mr. Miggy maybe should have been at the top with the corrections, but here it is anyway. So Mr. Miggy says, So if you hear Paris, who we, <laughs> we've mentioned a couple weeks in a row now, because I was kind of ripping on him a little bit for his... Uh, his like sellout Xbox Gamescom press conference kind of performance thing. I was kind of being a little hard on him, and then Mr. Mickey says, "So if you listen to him talk on the kind of funny Xcast, he does bring up the Cyberpunk thing and uses it as an example of why game delays are good, so they don't end up like Cyberpunk." He did mention keeping expectations low for Gamescom, so hearing about his performance on these presentations did confuse. But I guess it's because he w- it was a job given to him. Also, my area in the Northeast has no raising canes for over 100 miles, but we do have a PDQ, which I haven't tried yet. Mr. Miggy, PDQ is another one of those restaurants where it's I think we do have one not too far from Orlando. I need to look that up. But that's another one of those restaurants like I've been meaning to eat at for a couple years now, but I just haven't gotten around to it. But I hear really good things about PDQ, the the chicken over at PDQ. So thanks for bringing that one up as well. Now, I just want to let's I want to cut it with the Paris talk, because, again, I don't know anything about this guy. I don't follow him on social media. He just pops up on my feed sometimes. I don't listen to him on any of his podcasts, so I don't have a real feel for this guy. So I don't want to talk about, you know, speak ill of a guy I don't know anything about, but I just know he's really in bed with Xbox. I know that he goes out to lunches with Phil. I know that he had, you know, he's one half with the games media doing like podcasts and talking about the industry and speculating and doing news and stuff like that. And then on the other half, he's also taking money from Xbox to go do their Gamescom press conference. Listen, any guy who's just out there trying to make a living off the thing he loves, you know, trying to make a paycheck, getting paid where he can to do something that makes him happy. I can't I can't fault the guy for that. There's nothing wrong with that. I don't have any personal beef with this this stranger who will never know who I am. But what I'm I guess what I'm trying to say just to put kind of like a cap on explaining where where I'm coming from is anytime you decide to play both both sides of the team, you know, both teams, both sides of the field, you can't be 100% impartial no matter how much you try. This guy might be the nicest guy in the world, and he might have every intention. Like, listen, the guys at CD Projekt Red asked me if I wanted to be a cyberpunk brand ambassador, and they sent me an expensive cyberpunk gaming chair, and they sent me an expensive cyberpunk Xbox controller, and then Xbox asked me if I wanted to host Gamescom and this E3 thing, and they gave me all this money to do this job. Even, you know, he might be like, of course I said yes to that, but I really do want to be honest to my audience. I really do want to be transparent. I really do want people to feel like they can trust me. He might be putting 100% effort into taking these amazing opportunities as they come because they are once-in-a-lifetime opportunities while also simultaneously removing his personal bias and relationship with these brands and companies to also provide really honest perspectives to his audience. That may be the case. I don't want to, I don't want to strip him of that possibility. But the thing is, he's a human being just like I'm a human being, just like you all are human beings, and no one has full capacity to 100% remove their biases. And I feel like people like to lie about this. Like, people like to be like, oh, well, I know some people are corrupt or some people are biased or whatever. Listen, you can trust me. As if everyone everyone thinks like they're the exception to the rule. Even if he's trying really, really hard, there's no way he can 100% remove his bias. There's no way he can one day be having lunch with Phil Spencer, doing E3 shows and, and, and taking paychecks from Microsoft to do these presentations about Top Gun DLC for fucking Flight Simulator. And then the next day, be on Kinda Funny's Xbox podcast being like, all right, guys, but here, let's temper our expectations about Xbox. Here's the real deal about, you know, 
what I think is going on behind the scenes and where Xbox needs to get their shit together and where, you know, this is my criticism on this particular thing. Maybe he tries to be critical, but it's all with a PR slam because at the end of the day, you cannot 100% remove your biasy once you're playing both teams, once you're playing with the games media and the games press, but also with the publishers and developers and people who make the fucking games and release the fucking games and market the games and sell the games. It's just not humanly possible. And I feel like we don't see this talked about a lot in, in the games industry because this is so naturally endemic to the games media that it, it almost seems like something we've always been used to. You know, like, you wouldn't see this in, like, politics. You wouldn't... Sorry, it does happen in politics, but it shouldn't happen in politics, right? We know it's bad for the media to be taking money from politicians or to be paying off politicians or whatever, to be in bed with politicians because one of them is supposed to remain objective and expose the truth without any kind of slant or any editorialization of it. It's just supposed to be the cold, hard facts of the situation, right? In games, we have a lot more like leniency because it's like, okay, it's not so do or die in games. We're just talking about fucking entertainment. You know, we just want to jump on mushrooms like Mario, you know, whatever, not a big deal. So oh, there's a lot less pressure and a lot less expectation and standard to hold your games media to, but it's fucking weird. And we see this more and more with games media where it's just like all these YouTubers and all these people who write for the IGNs and the game spots, they just take all this all this influence, all these press releases, all these, all this money from publishers, all these events, all these wine and dines, we'll fly you out to play this game, we'll fly you out to do this event, we'll fly you out to do this presentation, you know, like, oh, we'll pay you all this money to represent EA for E3 and all this shit. It's like, it's fucking weird, man. It's like, I don't, like, that's cool if you can still maintain an audience and people still trust you and support you. That's great. Good for you. You're making your money, you're building your audience, and you're living the dream. I, I respect that. I don't blame you. But personally, me personally, I don't trust you. I cannot fully believe a thing you say. If you're telling me with one side of your mouth, oh yeah, this is this is my criticism of Cyberpunk, this is my criticism of Xbox, here's my interpretation of the Xbox news this week, and then on the other side of your mouth, you're taking fucking paychecks from Microsoft and Xbox, and you're being flown out to Seattle and wined and dined by Phil Spencer, and then representing the brand on their fucking E3 stage and all that stuff. It's like, I just don't think you can do both of those things and remain impartial. So I'm not trying to say this guy's a bad guy. I'm just saying sometimes I laugh a little bit because I'm like, I can't take you totally serious. I can't fully trust you because it's just not human for you to be 0% biased or 0% impartial when you're playing both sides of the field. So could be the greatest guy in the world. I'm sure he's a great dude. I'm sure he's a very nice guy. And I'm sure he's just trying to make a living doing what he loves. I respect all that. But I just personally think that's a problem in the games industry. And he's not hes not even close to the only one doing that. There are so many people that do that. He just comes to mind because he's the most prom, prominent person I feel like we see do that in the Xbox sphere. Or at least in recent history. So that's why he kind of became the poster child that I, that I used to, to tease uh, on that subject. But I want to drop that now because I don't want this podcast to be a small-time Xbox podcast or goes and attacks all the big Xbox influencers because that's that's just petty. That's really that's really mean spirited and really stupid. So we're not gonna we're not gonna do that. That's not what I want this to be about. But Mr. Mickey, I do appreciate you coming, trying to offer a little more perspective and defense. Now, with all that stupid Xbox information out of the way, let's talk about something that really matters. Now last week I mentioned got my hands on some Mountain Dew Voodoo, the twenty twenty one edition. Tastes like Skittles and Smarties and all that shit. Kinda kinda sucks to be honest. But headhunting Halo, we're seeing a lot of this guy. Not Megan, not a porn star. This is headhunting Halo. He says, finally found Voodoo Mountain Dew. It's not bad. It tastes like gummy worms, but it's missing the dew. 
Does that make me a Nazi? Yes, it does. All right, Corey Long says, I haven't tried the other Voodoo variants before this year, but while I was on my usual, I'm just looking for plants run, I grabbed one at checkout. I get a subtle Mountain Dew-esque flavor profile, but you can't compare it to other Mountain Dews or you will get let down. I get where you found the Smarties taste. Thumbs down emoji. All right, see, see what I mean? You see what I mean? I'm not the only one out there. Corey agrees with me and, and you know, let down from Mountain Dew flavor. You see where I get the Smarties taste? Not fucking crazy. The many, many years of frozen Tostino rolls, Tostino's roll, pizza rolls, hasn't completely destroyed my taste buds. You see? I'm not fucking crazy. Now, Temple Knight says, tried Mountain Dew vo Voodoo after hearing you, your take on it. Full disclosure, I was a full-blown Smarties junkie as an adolescent, especially while playing Final Fantasy games. Temple Knight, do you want me to punch you? <laughs> I'm just kidding. I found a rather pleasant and smooth sugary rush with just a hint of synthetic orange tang lingering in the back. I wouldn't call it my favorite soft drink flavor, but it's a nice variant. But it's a nice variety. I think you may not find this one on your liking because it deviates so far from the traditional Dew flavor profile, but for me, that's a plus though. After drinking enough standard Mountain Dew, it just doesn't taste like it used to. How's the Arctic Blast? Saw it in stores and almost got some with the Voodoo. Also, Forza Motorsport 7. Worth 20 bucks before it's delisted? Okay. Listen, Temple Knight, I, I think that's a, a good description of it. Although I will say, I, I don't... That's the thing is, you say it's a smooth sugary rush. That's my biggest problem with this. I don't think it's fully smooth. I think it feels like... Listen, I worked in restaurants for a long time. So I, I, I try to be able to understand flavor profiles just from years of working around snooty Atlanta sommeliers who just want to talk about wine you know, wine tasting notes all the time. But some of that, some of that like ability to just close your mind and think about what, what a flavor tastes like on your palate has rubbed off on me to the point where I try to adapt that to Mountain Dew, a drink that actually fucking matters. And I, I gotta be honest, I feel like there's, this is a dual layer Mountain Dew flavor because you have this base flavor, like picture your, picture the taste buds on your tongue. When the, when the Voodoo 2021 washes over your tongue, you get that base layer fully coats your tongue, and it is a smooth citrusy dew. So if you want to say you get the tangy orange, I, I get that. If you want to say you get the smooth citrus, I get that. But the problem is, think of it like frosting on a cupcake. The cupcake is the base with the smooth Mountain Dew flavor, right? The frosting is the smaller layer, but very prominent in flavor, top layer. And this is the part that gets me. It's the it's the sharp, powdery Smarties flavor that goes on top of it. And that's what I can't get over. So it's it's like smooth that is overrun by not smooth. It is a very sharp and powdery, sugary flavor that just turns me off. I, I want to enjoy it. I can taste the base of the soda is good, but it's that twist on top that just drives me nuts. So Temple Knight, I'm very glad that you're able to enjoy it. You know, hey, what do they what do they say in the Bible? One man's trash is another man's favorite Mountain Dew flavor. That's more power to you. I hope you enjoy many, many voodoos uh, this Halloween season uh, while you play Final Fantasy. As a reminder, Final Fantasy 13 is coming to Game Pass, I think, this week. So, hey, maybe maybe do a replay of that game. Now, I don't know what the fuck Arctic Blast is, so please do follow up with, with, with that. I would like to know what the hell Arctic Blast is, so please. And then lastly... Forza Motorsport 7 worth 20 bucks before it's delisted. I, I want to say yes, because I think we're at least another year out. We talked about this on the, on the show about a month or two ago. I think it's worth 20 bucks for the next year while it's the only Forza Motorsport or the newest Forza Motorsport out there until Forza Motorsport comes out, which is the new like 
replacement for the motorsport franchise where it's like a games as a service kind of platform for Forza. I think just for the preservation sake and so let me put it like this. Buying Forza Motorsport 7 right now locks in on your console a way to access the Forza Motorsport that we all know and if you love have come to love over the years. There is a guarantee that Forza Motorsport 7 is at the very least more of the Forza Motorsport that's always been. This new version of Forza Motorsport that they're doing, where it's like a games-as-a-service platform type thing, I think that will be very much gameplay-wise like the Forza we all know, but it's different. It's a new approach. It's a new direction for the franchise. So if you were someone who's loved Motorsport, everything, you know, from from 1 to 2 to 3 to 4 to 5, whatever. I I, I only play every couple of them. I've played, I mostly played 5 and 6. Those are the ones I'm most familiar with. I'm more of a Horizon fan. But if you're someone who wants to preserve that experience, you know, should, hypothetically, this Forza Motorsport service platform thing not be 100% what you're looking for. This way, you at least always have Motorsport 7 as a fallback to get that kind of like, this is the Motorsport I remember. So I think for 20 bucks, it's worth it, it for the posterity, for the for the preservation, and just for the comfort in, in, of knowing like, hey, I've always got this in, in my corner to play if, for whatever reason, this new evolution of Forza ends up really deviating from what I loved about this this franchise. I hope that makes sense. Uh, I think it does. It's a good way to rationalize blowing 20 bucks. Uh, but then again, I'm a Forza Motorsport brand ambassador, so you can't trust anything I say. Now, Halo Infinite multiplayer take. My brother writes in and says, I have to say that the Halo Infinite not having traditional XP is such nonsense. Fortnite does it, and I think that the game had a small handful of players. Yes, Fortnite has XP, but it's irrelevant to actual battle pass progression. Uh, The Master Chief Collection also does challenges only. Games have been doing this for a while. Remember, everything in Halo is cosmetic. Call of Duty has you unlock weapons that affect gameplay. That's why it has XP. Halo does need this. I feel I feel like they should have they should have just thrown in XP and attached it to levels that does absolutely nothing. That way everyone will be happy. Halo doesn't need this is what you're saying. Okay, so you're basically taking the opposite approach to what I'm saying. And you know what? Respect. You defended it well, you backed it up well, but I'll I'll be honest. Yes, my my displeasement my my displeasure with the with this decision from 343 is incredibly arbitrary, but it matters to me. I'm sorry. I'm just I am a this is this is one of those this is one of those early signs that I'm becoming an old dated gamer. You know, I'm I'm out of touch with what people are doing today and what people want today. I grew up on FPSs where you got XP and you leveled up and yes, it was mostly just nothing. It was mostly for like new banners or ranks or just something to brag about to your friends. And yes, in the case of Call of Duty, it gets you actual things like prestiges and weapons and whatever. But I just like having a Spartan rank. I like being able to have that little thing next to my gamer tag, next to my banner in every matchmaking lobby that shows, oh, well, he's level 70. Oh, he's level 90 or whatever. It's like, oh, well, that means he's put a lot of time into this game. It means he's very high level. And I understand it's like, oh, well, he's battle pass level well, whatever, he's got this thing unlocked. It shows that, you know, kind of has a similar, uh, it kind of tells a similar story, but not in the same way exactly. And so, yes, I, I agree with what you're saying. Just just, just throw it in with XP and a level that absolutely does nothing. It's just to please old farts like me and to, and to make you just be like, oh, yeah, 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 Spartan rank is back. Oh, level progression. Yeah, I, I totally agree. That's what they should do. But I do appreciate you taking the other side defending 343 here and giving giving the audience a different perspective to consider because I'm sure there are many out there listening to the show who probably agree with you, who probably think I was being a little whiny for nothing. So I appreciate the alternate 
perspective. Now, last comment. Wow, we really read through all of them. Fuck, I didn't think we were going to do that. Last comment. Is Xbox on clickbait? Oh, wait, no. It's not the last comment. Some of these comments didn't fucking paste in the article. What was up with that? Anyway, last comment. Is Xbox on clickbait? So Julian W. wrote in and said, For the life of me, I've listened to this podcast. For the life of me, I've listened to this twice, and I can't find the place where he talks about Microsoft Flight Simulator winning over Japan. Now, you may remember last week's episode was called, what was it called? It was called, like, Microsoft Turns to Japan, or Microsoft wins over Japan with Flight Simulator or something like that. I don't even remember what it was called. Yeah, dude, I'll be honest. I don't think people pay attention to the to the titles at all. My, I guess maybe this is a little neg- negligent on my part, but to be honest, like, the way I think of it is, like, Xbox On's numbers have, have plateaued so much to the point where it's like, the people who listen to this podcast know it's the crazy Xbox podcast that mostly talks about fast food, and they're here for the crazy banter and comments and stupidity of it all. You know, they don't really care what the title is. They're just like, new episode, listen, you know? But I gotta put a title there anyway, so I'm usually just like, ah, f- I don't fucking know. So I'll just be like, what are we talking about this week? It's like something about Flight Simulator in Japan. Here's a title, and I'll just throw something out there. It makes no fucking sense. Now, there are, there are weeks where I definitely put effort into the title. You know, I try to come up with a funny pun, or I try to make it really relevant to the news. You're right, this was a dumb title. But yeah, maybe this is just a clickbait show. Maybe I'm just trying to drive traffic. Who knows, Julian? But thank you. Thank you for calling me out on my bullshit. I'm always, I'm always willing to take some some heat if it is if it is justifiable if it's warranted and also it's funny I, th- I think that's funny now there were some other comments i don't know what happened to them oh let's let's oh, okay here they are they just randomly popped up right, let's run through some of these real quick dead captain james says sorry i've been gone for two weeks i still listen but i wasn't able to comment kind of had a similar but different take on your ign versus youtube rant i don't even remember what my rant was but <laughs> here's going here goes nothing. Uh, you say, I agree with what you said about IGN 100%, but I disagree with what you said on the YouTube side. Most of the YouTubers out there are so jaded and negative that's annoying. It's super hard to find level-headed people in the gaming sphere, period. That's one of the reasons why I like your channel. You give lots of hot takes, but you are never overhyped or overly negative, and your comedy is the icing on the cake. Well, Dead Captain James, I really appreciate those kind words. It's very nice. It almost seems like it's just a like a pat on the back for me to read this comment now that I think about it. But I well, I read it because I one I don't even really remember what my IGN versus uh, YouTube rant was about, but I know my feelings about IGN versus YouTube, so I I can assume that I know what we're talking about here. I don't know. I just I just tend to find YouTube a little more a little more palatable because the people who I guess it's I guess my bigger thing is the people, you know, YouTube's a lot more sink or swim. We we're just talking at the top of the show about how Kotaku's the worst in games media, right? There are people who work at Kotaku who have like no following on social media, who have like no personal fans at all. Why? Because they suck and their news sucks and they're unoriginal and they're just kind of annoying and they're just grumpy and mean and stupid right and the reason why they're able to have their job and do their thing is because no one you know or no no one but the overwhelming majority of people who read game news sites don't care about the person behind the article they just care about the outlet so it doesn't matter if person a or person g or person z you know gives a game a 7 out of 10 versus a 9 out of 10 or whatever to the viewer it's always just ign right at Kotaku, it doesn't matter how incredibly politically or agenda-driven an article is, whether it's something you agree with, disagree with, it was by this author, that author, it was written three years ago, four years ago, yesterday, whatever. It's not It's not the person behind the article, it's just Kotaku, right? So the thing that sucks about games media is like there's so there's so much of a lack of of creativity because there's no there's no real driving force behind the creator. 
for a lot of people, it's just like, oh, I can say whatever, or we can do whatever, or we can just follow whatever trend, or we can be as lazy and uninspired about the news and reviews as we want to be, because at the end of the day, it's not my website, it's just Kotaku, it's just IGN. Whereas YouTube is very sink or swim. YouTube is like, listen, the only way you can be successful on YouTube, the only way, you, and this is this is this sounds really funny coming from someone with a YouTube channel with almost no following, but the only way you can be successful on YouTube is if your shit's good. The reason why you know people are people make a living doing YouTube is because their stuff is creative or entertaining, and people want to support that. You know, it's not people don't go to watch like a video game donkey or a naked jakey because. They, they're like, oh, it's just IGN. It's like, no, it's because that specific guy has those specific takes that people find entertaining, inform, entertaining, informative, uh, just just funny, whatever the case might might be. And that I guess that's what I like about YouTube so much more. Yes, of course, there can be a lot of circle jerking on YouTube. Of course, there can be a lot of the same ideas being thrown around over and over again. Of course, there can be a lot of jaded and negative news, but you know, when you find YouTubers that you like or YouTube outlets that you like, it's usually like, it's so much better than traditional outlets because it's like, yeah, this is the shit I like. These are the personalities I like. These are the takes I like. And so you can kind of just curate the information you're looking for in a way that's most palatable to you. So that's, I guess that's why I defend YouTube, but I don't even really know what I was saying last week. Dead Captain James, thanks for the kind words. I really just want to pat myself on the back. Uh, everybody, I'm awesome. If you don't subscribe to my to my YouTube or f- follow my Twitch channel, there's a good chance that every A&W fast food restaurant in your immediate area will close permanently, and you'll never get to know how above average their cheeseburgers truly are. Now, I feel bad because we have a handful of comments here that we need to get to, but we, we got we got to get moving on. We can't spend this much time on the comments. Some real quick notes. Mavs Man wants you guys to know Taco Bell just released chicken sandwich tacos. They're here. If you use the app, they're 149 instead of 249 so you can save money by ordering on the app. They're small, about the size of a street taco, but pretty damn tasty. Chicken definitely has that naked chicken chalupa vibe. Mazman, I saw the commercial for this. I've been meaning to get around to it. Thank you for your endorsement. Guys, the news is out there. Taco Bell has the chicken sandwich taco. The taco shell looks kind of like a like a chicken bun or something like that, I think. It's like a kind of looks like a sandwich bun thing. Got gotta get around to that. So thanks for the F thanks for the PSA there. Joe Murphy says I'm on a temporary modified uh, work schedule, so I'm in the office by myself listening to your podcast and playing Xbox on my cell phone via XCloud. Love Hades on XCloud. The game even plays so good with touch buttons. My soon-to-be six-year-old told me that I can play Psychonauts 2 without him because the game is so cool. If he wasn't so adorable, I wouldn't, I would tell him, no, you're crazy son. Also, now I have, (laughs) now I have no time for my kids or to do yard work. There's too many games on Game Pass, too many games coming out. I try, <laughs> I tried to get the new Halo controller, but couldn't get it. But I was able to get the Aquarium Blue and Forza Dirt controllers. I've been really enjoying your podcast. Enjoy your Twitch channel. New to Twitch, so I'll get there on Thursday nights. Some of my kids might join too. Okay, first of all, thank you, Joe. It's very kind of you. Probably don't want to bring your kids to my Twitch channel where I just get grumpy about all the technology not working and then use bad words. But uh, I, I do want to say real quick, I do want to say real quick, aside from that that story about your kids just being adorable, you should absolutely prioritize your backlog over raising a family or maintaining your house or your yard or whatever because it would be incredibly funny. And I, of course, I'm saying this sarcastically. You're a father. I don't mean any disrespect to your family. But it would be incredibly funny to just think about you know some kid who grows up to be a broken person and looks to their dad as an adult and says why weren't you there for me dad why weren't you there every every baseball game i had that my my high school graduation every accomplishment i ever made you know you were never there for me you never supported me you never talked to me 
And that's why I feel so directionless and lost in life. And then the dad looks back at the kid and says, son, there were just too many goddamn games on Game Pass. I, I couldn't have possibly been there for you. Just that classic absent father who's technically in the kid's life, but he's just too busy upstairs playing Xbox to actually take part in any of the raising of the child. I, I look forward to seeing whatever Hollywood adaptation we get of that story in the coming years. Now, I do want to just... Uh, that's going to do it for the comments. We just have... We just have too many. God, we just have too many comments. I do want to th throw a shout out to Redo Vandal. I, I put your comment in here. I wanted to read it. I'm so sorry, but I'm really trying to be a little more disciplined about not letting the show run too long with the comments. So, uh, thank you for writing in. Hopefully, we'll get you in the next time. Uh, but remember, for next week, if you if you want to write in, don't be shy. Reply. Next, let's jump into what I've been playing. But before I can tell you about what I've been playing, I gotta tell you about what I've been eating. So two things real quick. So I don't know if we talked about it on the podcast, but Coca-Cola recently launched a new version of Coke Zero. And you guys know I've been on the zero sugar kick, trying to use it as a way to help keep my calorie count under control and whatnot. And I've been a pretty big fan of the Pepsi Zero Sugar. It's not, it doesn't taste 100% like Pepsi, but it's pretty damn good for what it is. Now, Coke Zero, I'm a Pepsi guy over Coke guy, as you all know, but Pepsi, or Coke Zero, this isn't because I prefer Pepsi. I, I like Coke just fine, but Coke Zero is pretty bad. I don't like Coke Zero, but the new Coke Zero, they, they claim it has improved taste. I'll tell you this, it definitely has a better can. I love the red and black they're going for. And I've heard... A lot of people say, you know what, it, it really is better. It really does taste a lot better. So I was like, you know what, all's fair in 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 do and in do and pour. In um, uh, I don't know, that's that's not funny. Anyway, but I got to give this a try. So I picked up a case of it while I was at Target the other day, and to my surprise, keep in mind I'm a Pepsi guy. The new improved Coke Zero, I think, tastes more like regular Coca-Cola then Pepsi Zero tastes like regular Pepsi. It is, like, I, this sounds like an advertisement. Are you sure I'm not a fucking Coke, Coca-Cola brand ambassador here? Because, like, this this new Coke Zero, it, it's uncanny how much it just tastes like regular Coca-Cola. Like, the only thing to me that tastes different off the two cans of it I've had so far is that it tastes like there's, like, an extra little hint of, like, a vanilla twist to it. That's the only thing that I can think of that's like not 100% like regular Coke, but like you don't taste the, I don't know, the the artificial, what, it's all, it's all artificial, whatever it is, the 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 aspartame whatever it is kind of twist that you normally get from a zero sugar or a diet soda. It's, it's, it's kind of like Dr. Pepper or diet Dr. Pepper is to Dr. Pepper. It's one of those like, yeah. It's just it's just as good as the real thing. It's really really shocking. So I want to I want to give a huge shout out to the new and improved Coke Zero. I'm a Pepsi man myself. Probably still going to continue to stick with Pepsi Zero Sugar because you know I I just prefer Pepsi to Coke. I just prefer the flavor. So even slightly off Pepsi to me is still better than pretty much 100% accurate Coke. But I do like Coke and I will take it when I can't get a Pepsi, and, which is often of course because no one fucking carries Pepsi at least in the South. But massive shout out and props to coca-cola on making what i think is one of the most impressive zero sugar slash diet sodas on the market if you have not tried the new and improved coke zero do yourself a favor and try it it is quite impressive now the other thing i've been eating that i wanted to make mention of is listen to this you're gonna think i'm at some fucking chuck e cheese doing this but Cotton candy cheesecake. Jesse, you you might be thinking to yourself, sometimes I wish you would act like a 26-year-old and not a 6-year-old, you know? Because cotton candy cheesecake, I mean, come on, man. You're you're old enough to smoke a marijuana. You're old enough to drink an entire lager. You're old enough to appreciate 
the intricacies of a Chilean sea bass. But here I am talking about Pepsi, talking about Mountain Dew Voodoo, talking about cotton candy cheesecake. Well, listen, I wasn't going out of my way for a cotton candy cheesecake. It found me. And you know I'm a big cheesecake fan. So there's a sports bar. Here's, here's my Disney talk of the week. At Disney's Coronado Springs Resort, which is their like colonial colonial Spanish-themed kind of resort, whatever, there's a restaurant called Rick's Sports Bar. This is the resort at Disney that is most catered to convention guests and business business travelers. A lot of companies will do like conventions at some of the Disney resorts, and this is the most common one that you see that. So unlike most, it, it's still highly themed and really cool. It's actually one of my favorite Disney hotels. It's really beautiful. But it, I mean, it has a fucking mine pyramid as the pool. It's fucking awesome. But unlike most Disney hotels, which is like overrun with like tourists and families on the Disney vacation, this hotel is always a little weird because it's very much a little more buttoned up and a little more catered to the the business people there on 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 work related trips and things like that. So the the food op- the island bring that up to say the food offerings are are more so to cater to that market. So it's a little less of like the dine with Mickey Mouse and eat all you can enjoy all you can eat mac and cheese and chicken or whatever. It's it's more in line with like trying to cater to that like dude on business trip at this Disney hotel kind of market. So Rick's Sports Bar is the the more casual restaurant this restaurant this resort has like four or five restaurants but rick's sports bar is the more casual of the table service restaurants it is exactly what it sounds like it is a sports bar so it is tvs everywhere it's it's designed to be a place where you know after a long day of meetings and convention uh conferences or whatever um some dude who's at this hotel can just kind of like loosen his tie grab a beer get some chicken wings and watch the sports game on one of the 700 tvs in the restaurants that kind of restaurant and and those kinds of restaurants always intrigue me at disney because it's just so not what disney restaurants are normally like so it's been it's been on my list for a long time of like i gotta get around to trying that place you know it's it's gonna be basic it's gonna be like overpriced chicken wings and burgers and stuff but i want to try it nonetheless so a friend of mine actually recommended we go so i was like fuck it now's a good time we get over there and the menu is what I expect. It's, you know, it's like loaded nachos and french fries and cheeseburgers and Philly cheesesteak and stuff like that. It's totally normal, totally in line with what I was expecting. So I get a burger. It's fine. It's, you know, it's like above average for bar food. It's whatever. We're good. But then the server's like, well, you like to see the dessert menu. And I have a rule of thumb. You know, usually if I go out to eat, I try to like stay away from desserts and stuff um, where possible. Unless it's either my first time dining at a restaurant or it's a Disney restaurant. At a Disney restaurant, I always like to have a complete meal. I want to do the appetizer, the entree, the dessert. And so I, I say yes. And to my surprise, I've never seen this on this menu before. And I've stocked every menu at every Disney restaurant before. But they have a cotton candy cheesecake. So I'm thinking, oh, it's probably just like a cheesecake with like garnish with cotton candy or like a cheesecake, you know, with a very mild hint of cotton candy. But it's a little weird because this is a this is a resort. This is a restaurant that's catering to the 40 something year old businessman whose company flew him out to this Disney hotel for the week. And he's pissed off because he doesn't want to be in Florida where it's hot and he wishes he could be golfing or picking up young women at the beach instead of, you know, stuck in this stupid Disney hotel surrounded by these tourists and doing these work meetings all day. And so I'm very cognizant that this is the kind of clientele this restaurant has to cater to yet for some reason the audac the, the the chef or whoever is catering this menu tailoring this menu has the audacity to be like yeah, yeah yeah put a cotton candy cheesecake on the menu see how they like it then and so you know me being the Ch- chucky e. cheese loving 50 year old seven year old goes i'll have a cotton candy cheesecake without even thinking twice without even looking at the other options on the menu 
cotton candy cheesecake, please and thank you. Uh, also, here's my uh, here's my medical card in case you need to call an ambulance. And this thing comes out, and I'm expecting, you know, this restaurant's been pretty whatever up until this point, so I'm expecting something that is like just a run-of-the-mill cheesecake with like some cotton candy garnished on it or something. This cheesecake was like 9.7 out of 10. It was beyond my expectations. It shattered them in every way. It is a house-made cheesecake that is not overly creamy. It is perfectly balanced in its sweetness and its creaminess, but it is infused with cotton candy, with a cotton candy flavor. It is a classic yellowish, whitish looking cheesecake, but you see the the pink and blue cotton candy swirls all throughout. And I don't know how, but they balance it perfectly. It's cotton candy and cheesecake, you think, oh, that's gonna be way too sweet. No, perfectly balanced. It's one of the milder cheesecakes I've had on Disney property, so it's not too sweet. It's creamy, but not overly creamy, just as you would hope a cheesecake would be. It's not like, it's not like, I mean, it's, it's a cheesecake, so it's kind of rich, obviously, but it's not like, fuck you, like, like two bites and and you have a stomachache kind of like dense rich creamy it's really good it's really balanced and somehow it's subtle enough that you taste the cheese the classic new york cheesecake flavor and the cotton candy flavor completely blended like immaculately like they're entirely married together like in the most in the truest sense of the word it's and it's and it's beyond my wildest expectations and they and they and they not only that, but they then garnish it with some house-made whipped cream, not ready whipped can, not some cheap-ass whipped cream, but like house-made whipped cream that is so, so dense and creamy and delicious. It's like this massive fucking dollop, I don't know if that's an oxymoron or not, of, of, of this house-made whipped cream, and it pairs so well with the cheesecake. And then on top of that, they do garnish it with some little bits of cotton candy to, for presentation purposes. And there was like, what is it, like a raspberry sauce or something with it. God damn, this cheesecake was phenomenal. My girlfriend, who hates cheesecake, was even like, hey, that's pretty okay for what it is. Like, I'm, I'm not even turned off by that. So there you have it. Um, guys, contact me, DM me. I can help you book your flight and plan your Disney vacation. But I will. I want to make sure each and every one of you guys has the opportunity to try the Cotton Candy Cheesecake, now available at the Rick's Sports Bar, located at Disney's Coronado Springs Restaurant, the Walt Disney World Resort in Orlando, Florida. This thing is phenomenal. Can't say enough great about it. I do have picks, so hit me up if you want me to post them picks. I will DM them to you. Uh, it is a sexy cheesecake, so NSFW. And that is it for what I've been eating. But now, as far as what I've been playing, man, this is a long podcast and we haven't even gotten to the news. Psychonauts and Sonic Colors. Now, Psychonauts, this game, finally, finally got around to finishing it. Finally. I've been trying to get around to Psychonauts 2. I feel really bad about how in my backlog this has all been. But I finally finished Psychonauts 1. And I gotta agree with what my brother said. Despite the fact that this game, in my opinion, has a rough start, it's like charming and funny, but not particularly fun for the first eh, quarter or third of the game. And then it gets more interesting, and then it, you know, then it turns me off a little bit with some of its like old game design stuff, where it's like go collect this and unlock this and upgrade this in order to finish this level and finish half that level, jump out of the level, go back to this level, do this part, then maybe you'll be a high enough level to unlock this ability to go to that level. I really hated all of that shit, so I was at odds with this game because I was always enjoying the humor, always enjoying the writing, always enjoying the whimsy and the creativity and the weirdness and just the oddity of this game, and very, very creative, very ambitious, very impressive game for 2004. I really like this game. But the first half of the game or so really just didn't do it for me from a pure gameplay perspective. I wanted it to be a more straightforward, more linear for, uh, platformer where I could just beat up bad guys, platform, progress through a linear level, get to the next part of the story. And it just wouldn't be that. And then the latter half of the game kind of becomes that. It's like you unlock the things you need, you get past the little camp 
hub world area and you kind of just get into a more linear path of like level level boss level boss level boss story beats whatever roll credits and I think that second half, for that reason, is so much stronger. But my brother made a funny point. He's like, you know what? It was probably just that that first half was so obtuse because it was really, it was really experimental, and they they spent most of the development time, most of the budget, probably making all that. And then towards the end of development, we're like, fuck, we're running out of time and money, and then they had to make a more linear latter half of the game. I'm like, that's entirely possible. But I actually prefer that that the other half of the game is like that. Now, I'm hoping Psychonauts 2 is a little more linear and straightforward and, and you know, easy to understand by modern gameplay standards. Um, but I'm really excited to get into Psychonauts 2. My, you know, now that I finished Psychonauts 1, my, my overall feelings are the second half of the game is significantly more fun than the first half of the game. I wish the game were more like the second half. Uh, but there, but the writing is extremely humorous, incredibly clever. The characters are super likable, really unique. This game is one of the most unique games I've ever played. Got, gotta say that. I, I often, I feel like I gotta remind you of this sometimes because we talk so much about Halo and stuff, but 3D platformers are actually my favorite video games of all time. My favorite video game of all time is a Wii game. It's Mario Galaxy. Like Mario Galaxy to me is the pinnacle of game design. I think that game to this day is an absolute masterpiece. Other than that, I love the Sonic the Hedgehog games. I love 3D platformers in general. I played many, many, many 3D platformers. So the fact that Psychonauts has been on my backlog for so many years and gone unplayed is actually kind of astonishing. But I'm really happy to finally have this game under my belt. I'm really glad I played it. I think it's really, really good from a story perspective, an art perspective, a creativity standpoint. But from a gameplay standpoint, I think the second half is pretty good. And the first half is a little weak, a little obtuse, a little obnoxious. But I'm really, I, overall, this game is definitely worth your time. 12 hours well spent. I, I really do enjoy Psychonauts, particularly the Milkman level. And then that like Napoleon board game level, those two levels are incredibly clever, incredibly funny, really, really unlike anything you'll find in any other game. Psychonauts is a really special game. And now that I'm done with the first and the weight is lifted off my shoulders, I'm pretty excited to jump into the second one. So that's why I'll be playing this weekend. Now, the other game is, of course, Sonic Colors. We won't talk about this too much because we opened the show about this, but... Sonic Colors Ultimate, I, I got to play it on Friday because I, I did something I rarely ever do, which is pre-order something for a pre-order bonus, which was early access to the game, but I'm such a massive Sonic Colors fan, I'm such a massive Sonic fan, this game could have literally just been a broken title screen that says, fuck you, we got your money, and I still would have been happy with it, as long as it showed Sonic the Hedgehog, but yeah, I mean, I I, I played this game in less than 24 hours, I just, I just played through it all and played a bunch of side content, definitely gonna go back and try to get all the collectibles, and I'm gonna try to platinum this game, platinum, I'm gonna try to 100% this game, get all the achievements and everything because I just love this game so much. I've played this game to death on Wii and now I'm so excited to do it all again on the on the Xbox. I love this game. Like I said at the top, there are some minor performance issues that a couple patches could fix and I think they'll fix them, um, but that's just a minor annoyance. Other than that, one really fucking weird thing about this game is anyone who's played a 3D Sonic game knows that the B button on the Xbox controller is crouch slash slide and the X button on an Xbox controller is your boost button. But for some reason on this game, they default switch them around. So X is crouch slash slide and B is boost. And that's fucking broken and stupid as all hell. So I, thankfully you can you can button map. It's like full customized controls uh, in the menu. So I just button mapped to switch them. And it was no problem after that. But that was incredibly annoying and obnoxious at first. But the game is just as good as I remember it. It's, this is like the hundredth time I've ever beaten this game fucking love this this is in my opinion this is my second favorite sonic game of all time but in terms of just being a super well polished fun to play straightforward 
and accessible and approachable Sonic game. I think this is the the easiest to recommend Sonic game for anyone who's like, you know what? People shit on Sonic all day, but I'll bite. Let me let me see. Is there a good Sonic game out there? I would say Sonic Colors Ultimate or Sonic Generations from 2011, which is also on 360. I would say one of those two games are definitely the Sonic games you would want to recommend or try out. And I still stand by it. Sonic Colors is so, so good. The music is incredible. They did a bunch of remix music for this game, which is also pretty great. The art style is really charming and holds up. You know, visually... They, they just up everything and the cutscenes look kind of shitty, but I mean, the art style is still really colorful and really enjoyable. Uh, the writing in this game has always been a little throwaway. It's like really kiddie Saturday morning cartoon kind of stuff. So it's a little like whatever, but one of the things I always liked about this game is they de-emphasize the, the hardcore edgy storytelling of Sonic games and try to make it a little more all ages. So it's really easy to just kind of ignore the story and just play the game and enjoy the gameplay. And it's great. The Wisp power-ups add so much uh, variety to the gameplay. They're really fun to play with. The levels are incredibly creative, uh, really fun to play through. There's It doesn't have a bunch of like cheap deaths like older 3D Sonic games do. It's a very, very, very good game. Very pleased with this port and very happy to finally have it available on Xbox platforms for the first time in over 10 years. So those are the games I've been playing. And with that all out of the way, uh, we will now jump into, as they say in Spanish, El News. All right, time for some uh, news on this news-related podcast. Alan Wake, more like Alan Wake the fuck up. It's time to get back to get time to get back to the the Xbox. Windows Central reports that shortly after the listings of an Alan Wake remaster began to circulate earlier in the week, Remedy Entertainment creative director Sam Lake shared some exciting news for fans. Alan Wake Remaster is set to launch this year, actually this fall. Alan Wake is widely considered one of Remedy Entertainment's best games, as well as being one of the best Xbox 360 games available. Alan Wake Remastered, as the site explains, is the original experience you fell in love with, with all those, sorry, all those years ago. We did not want to change that, but the visuals all around, including character models for Alan Wake himself and the cinematics, have been updated and improved with some choice next-gen upgrades. Hopefully we'll see and learn more about exactly what those new upgrades are soon, especially since, uh, especially for high-end platforms like the Xbox Series X. While there is no exact release date, one prior listing did put it down for October 5th, so it is possible that we'll get an update on this very soon with a launch date also very soon, hopefully in time for Halloween as a is a good Halloween game. Now, the original version of Alan Wake was exclusively available on Xbox 360 before later being ported over the, to the PC. Alan Wake Remastered, though, is set to launch on Series X, Series S, Xbox One, and Gasp, PS4 and PS5, as well as PC in the, via the Epic Game Store. All right. All right. All right, guys. So, since we are real Xbox fans, since we are here for the brand and nothing else, this isn't about what we like to do in our free time. This has nothing to do with uh, good news for gamers. This has to do with winning, okay? We don't care about anything other than winning. So we just lost, okay? Because the the PlayStation just got one of our exclusives, and that makes me livid, okay? So Alan Wake is a great game because it's only on 360. And now that PlayStation players will have access to the game, I'm mad. And uh, I will not play this remaster now out of, uh, out of protest for that. So fuck PlayStation, of course. Um, but no, all joking aside, this is an exciting update. Now, I do assume this is basically just going to be, oh, the game's rendered in, you know, 4K or whatever. And, you know, we touched up with some lighting and who knows, maybe they added fucking, uh, maybe they added ray tracing or something. I don't know. But, you know, updated lighting, updated visuals, updated cinematics and things like that. Nothing 
too over the top, more in line with like a Mass Effect trilogy remaster kind of thing, and less like a uh, Final Fantasy VII remake. So just to set the expectation, I'm assuming it's something like that, of course. Uh, Remedy isn't that big a team. They can't be taking on a proper remaster with all the other bullshit they're working on right now, including that uh, Crossfire X campaign that's never coming. But no, this is this is pretty exciting, especially for someone like myself who never finished, I almost said played, never finished Alan Wake. I only played the intro, but um, this is one of those games that's been high on my list and I always felt bad about because I'm such a 360 fan and I really love Remedy, but this one slipped through the cracks. I never played Alan Wake, so... This would be a great opportunity for a lot of us to jump on and finally get into this game. I think also this is an intentional tie-in since they are starting to connect the Alan Wake universe with the Control universe. And I think I think they want to try and give people an opportunity to be refreshed in the world of Alan Wake as they continue to invest more and more in that controlled franchise. As, they, as they've talked about on multiple occasions how they want to continue to make new games in the controlled universe whether that be direct sequels or spinoffs or other games that just take place in that universe. And also, this is the first time that we've seen, you know, when, when uh, th- we saw this story, may- God, this was probably the fall that Xbox on started, so maybe fall of 2019, we saw where Xbox basically parted with the Alan Wake IP and let Remedy just take and walk away. And this is them exercising and being like, okay, cool, we're putting on everything, we're putting on PlayStation, and could you blame them? Like, of course they're going to do that. So a lot of interesting little angles and things to consider here. Other than that, I mean, there's not much to divulge here to really dissect and, and kind of pick apart because, I mean, it's, a, it's an announcement of a remaster of a game. Now, what is curious is that they would announce it and confirm it, but not put a release date out, especially when the rumored release date, the leaked release dates were October 5th. Because if it, if it is something that imminent, you would think they'd have a, a release date that they're confident with by now. So I am a little interested in why that's the case. You got to wonder if, if it was supposed to be October 5th, there's no way in hell it is now because they wouldn't confirm a game like that, you know, four weeks out and then not confirm. Oh yeah, yeah October 5th. That's it. You know, you got a month to go. What, what are you waiting for? You know, you're not going to surprise drop this bitch. So I assume it's a mid to late October release. Uh, and if it slips into November, that's disappointing because I think then it's just going to get lost in the shuffle of all the big holiday games and Black Friday and all that. And you, you don't want to be in that situation. I think the sooner this thing can get out, the better. Although it is, a, it is a curious choice to put it out this fall, considering just how busy it's about to get. But next spring is also busy as well, so there's that. This would have been a really ideal summer release that they could have gotten it out a month ago. But no, this is, again, this is really exciting. We're all going to have an opportunity to play Alan Wake either for another another go around or for the first time for many of us and to to play a game like this with updated visuals is going to be really nice because as i just experienced playing through psychonauts it's not impossible you know and with the series x it's easier than ever to go back and play older games but it is nice when it feels a little fresher a little newer a little more updated and modern you know after a little while of playing psychonauts you forget that it's an old xbox og game and there are some you know, boosted FPS, boosted resolution things the Series X can do to make it feel a little better trying to play that old game. But at the end of the day, it is an old game in standard definition with a odd aspect ratio. So it is it is nice to get these updates to be able to play these games and have them be a little more appealing for the eye when, when we live in a world where we've played, I don't know, what's a game that looks pretty on the Series X, where we play Gears 5 Hive Busters, you know? Something that looks absolutely stunning. And now we're just, what, supposed to go back to this old sack of shit. So it is going to be interesting and exciting to have access to that. But we'll keep an eye out on the release date and get a release date soon. And for the first time, the PlayStation 
ponies will have access to the game. So exciting opportunity for more gamers to have more access to what many consider to be Remy's best game. So as a big Quantum Break fan, I take issue with that statement. I like old OG Max Payne and Quantum Break. So we'll have to see. Maybe maybe Alan Wake cracks the top the top space. Our next story, and this is this is a story that would normally be, I don't know, I feel like normally we put this in this not important enough news, news that not important to warrant its own story, whatever kind of section of the podcast, but the thing is, Halo Infinite is such a big game, so critical to the Xbox catalog, so critical to Xbox this fall. Uh, I feel like these details matter. So, from Windows Central, following the recent Halo Infinite tech preview test, Halo developer 343 Industries has posted a new outcomes blog post on waypoint that reports on common points of fan feedback gathered during the test and indicate how developers are planning to make changes based on that feedback moving forward common piece gathered from the feedback includes a desire for more player choice in regards to in-game audio systems like spartan chatter personal ai the design size placement of ui ux elements and underwhelming performance of the drop wall equipment and the observation that uh, of the inconsistent performance in the technical preview build impacted players' ability to aim. The developer also shared positive findings as well, such as that the widespread love for the grapple shot equipment, appreciation for the game's main menu music, the quality of Halo Infinite AI bots, and appreciation for how accessible Infinite is compared to previous titles. Now, in response to the feedback, the developers have confirmed that there are plans to make improvement change improvements and changes that will hopefully rectify the issues discussed in the blog post as early as the next test flight. Although some some changes won't be available or arrive until the game launches on or after December 8th, or the game launches December 8th, but the updates would happen on or after that point. For example, players can expect new FX that should make it easier to tell whether players' shield strength is in the next beta, but significant changes that customize UI and expansion to the Academy training mode won't probably come until post-launch. Arguably, the biggest piece of news that 343 shared uh, was the confirmation that players have simple daily challenges available that only require them to compete sorry, complete matches to earn XP, which directly address why Halo fans are angry about the Battle Pass progression system. It's great to see developers respond to this issue so quickly, as it was something many were vocal about now. I will say to that, now I complain about the XP thing. So this is a weird halfway point where they're like, okay, well now you can, now there will be daily challenges that are like, oh, you unlock this daily challenge simply by just playing the game and earning XP, which is like kind of meeting them halfway because what you're really doing is working towards a daily challenge, not an overall Spartan rank and random ass score. So it's like, okay, whatever, I'll take it. It's better than nothing. So they are kind of addressing that a little bit. I think a lot of that complaint was that like some of those daily challenges were a little obtuse. It was like, well, these challenges force you to play a game in the way I don't want to play it. You know, I want to be able because that's that was that was a complaint, right? It's like I want to be able to just pick up Halo, be like, these are my weapons, this is my playstyle. I'm gonna play the game like this, whether it makes me good or bad or whatever. It's the way I enjoy playing the game. But to progress. I have to follow these daily challenges and, and everything, which are going to make me use only this weapon or get seven kills doing this special thing or whatever the hell may the case may be. And that takes away a lot of the progression and fun for players because it's like, well, what if I want to be able to progress and unlock by just playing the game like I normally would as opposed to having to do specific things that make me play the game differently, which may might not be fun for me and therefore limits my ability to progress and unlock by paywalling it, paywalling in quotes, you know, playwalling it, I should say, behind specific achie- uh, daily activities that I don't want to do. Playwalling, of course, being my impromptu uh, coined term to describe uh, a game forcing you to play the game in a specific way in order to get access to the content you're trying to 
trying to get access to you'd otherwise be able to just get from simply playing the game in your preferred method but yeah so i think that's cool I think the important thing here is 343 is basically responding exactly as I expected them to. They're being very vocal, very outspoken, very supportive, very transparent, and basically saying, hey, the stuff that's pretty easy to fix, we're going to get right on that. The stuff that's pretty hard to fix or pretty time-consuming, some of that we'll get to, but it's going to take a while because obviously, you know, we're in the home stretch of developing this game and getting out the door. We can't be overhauling shit and adding massive massive new features to something this late into the development of the main product so pretty understandable pretty respectable all around but i think this is important just because last week we obviously talked about the issues with the xp this kind of meets players like myself in the middle and and and, you know i still want to spartan rank i want i want to see you know i'm level 15 i'm level 40 now i'm level 73 now i'm level 92 whatever it is i want to see that i like having that little badge of honor next to my profile i want that there but this is nice to know that at the very least i'm still going to be able to just play the game kind of brain shut off however i'm feeling it not to think about it and still earn xp and progress towards certain unlocks and certain things so that is nice i hope the way that works is there's always a daily challenge always available to you at at all times to just have you know earn xp to unlock this challenge i hope one of those is always kind of available and active alongside the other ever rotating challenges of like oh do this special thing use this weapon to do this you know throw a grenade at a wall and then jump in front of it and end your life like you know those kinds of challenges whatever they are uh but yeah that's that's pretty cool good little update from 343 uh looks like things are moving full speed ahead i i saw i saw a lot of people being like I don't know, 343 might delay this game. I think this game is absolutely coming out. Full, like, multiplayer and campaign, they're both going to fully release this December 8th. I truly believe they're going to make that street date, you know, whether, you know, whether it's for the better or not. I, th- I think it's coming out. Everything else is just feature updates, you know, what what does or doesn't make it in December 8th. But I think we're going to have a pretty robust, pretty solid multiplayer and campaign experience available to us on December 8th, which reminds me, today... The day I'm recording this, September 8th. So, boys, we are three boys. And by boys, I don't mean, like, those with wieners. I mean, uh, gamers, we are three months away from Halo Infinite today. Oh, my God. Take me home, country road. All right, next up, and our final big story of the week because again it is a they're still coming off that lull vgc reports and and real quick this is going to be a little this has been a contentious topic of discussion lately for gamers especially in the playstation space but video games chronicle reports ubisoft has confirmed again that far cry 5 will have a free next-gen upgrade. Players who buy Far Cry 6 on PS4, Xbox One, or whatever will be able to upgrade to the Xbox Series X or next-gen version, respectively, at no extra cost. This will apply to both physical and digital versions of the game, but the upgrade will be in in the same format. For example, owners of the physical copy of the Xbox One game will have the ability to upgrade the physical copy to the PS5 version. I assume that somehow ties into the save file knowing it's a disk save or it's a disk download and not just a eShop or sorry a digital storefront download whatever the off uh, the offer was posted on the official Far Cry Twitter account earlier this week reminding Xbox and PlayStation players that that the offer still stands Ubisoft announced over a year ago that both Watch Dogs Legions and Far Cry 6 would support smart delivery on Xbox and a free upgrade system on PlayStation but Far Cry 6 which had been rescheduled to release in fe- uh, February 2021 was then delayed to October 7th which is less than a month away 
Despite the game now releasing almost a year after the next-gen consoles did, Ubisoft has reiterated that the game will still have a free next-gen upgrade. So this is not this. Normally, this would just be like a passerby, like oh yeah, that's happening. But the reason this is important is because earlier in the week, here we go. I'm gonna be positive. Some of you guys say I'm a little too negative sometimes about Xbox. Let me let me be positive for a minute. Earlier in the week, there was a lot of fussing in the games community because. Uh, Horizon Forbidden West, the new PlayStation 5 exclusive that comes out early next year. Uh, PlayStation basically announced, uh, fuck you. If you want, if you're on PS4 right now and you want the PS5 version of that game, uh, you either buy the PS5 version or you don't get it, you know, or you play the PS4 version on your PS5 via backwards compatibility, but it's the PS4 version. And people were outraged about this. Like, listen, if, if I buy the game on PS4, I should be able to play the PS5 version at no additional cost because it's the same fucking game, just minor performance enhancements based on which console I have, you know? It's like saying, again, I, I've likened this in the past. This is why it's so important that Xbox is doing the generation to end generations kind of stuff because would it make a lot of sense for you to be like, oh, I bought um, Portal 2 10 years ago on Steam, and back then I had this uh, HP pavilion that could barely run games, but it worked, and uh, now I upgrade. I built my own PC. I built my own gamer PC got my own graphics card, I installed it, I got my own RGB in there and everything, but now when I go to Steam to play Portal 2 again, uh, it's telling me, oh, well, because the game looks and runs better on my PC these days, I gotta I gotta pay a fee so I can I can run it better. Portal 2 is a bad fucking game to use as an example because obviously it's an old game, but you know what I mean? It's like, why should you have to pay to run it better on the, the new hardware that you, that you bought that can take advantage of the game? It's just stupid. So... People were really outraged. They're like, hey, you know, right now PlayStation 5 is really, really hard to get your hands on. It's not fair. There are going to be many people out there who buy the new Horizon game on PS4 instead of PS5 for the simple fact that they can't find a PS5. Not because they don't want one. They just can't get their hands on it. So now you're going to double punish them by saying, you don't have the new console because you can't find one. And now you're going to buy the game on the old hardware because that's all you have access to. And then when you finally do get a PS5 in the future when they are easier to find... You're then not going to be able to play this game on the PS5 with the upgrades because at the time you couldn't get a PS5. So you had to play it on the PS4. It's like double punishing your audience because they can't get their hands on a console that you can't supply enough of. It's like that's pretty fucking shitty. So that was causing a lot of, uh, of, of outrage on the internet, and rightfully so. And then, you know, after a couple, it was like a few days of this, Sony came out and did the right thing. And they were like, hey guys. Yeah, we're being we're being really pedantic and really stingy on this stupid policy. We don't really need the extra money we're going to get from these $10 upgrades from the PS4 to the PS5 version. Here, we'll drop it. Those who buy the game on PS4 will also get the game on PS5, and they confirm that they're doing that for future games like God of War 2 or whatever the game's going to be called uh, going forward. So that was that was good good move Sony. They did the they made the right decision in the end. And good on the good on the community for staying vocal about something that was stupid and unfair, and in putting the pressure on them to do the right thing. So that was good. It's very reminiscent of what happened with Xbox earlier in the year with Xbox Live, where they're like, "Yeah, we're bumping up the price of Xbox Live," and everyone's like, "What the fuck? And why are we paying for Xbox Live to play, you know, free to play games like Fortnite? What the fuck is this?" And then Xbox was like, "Whoa, whoa, 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 backtrack. We we caused a lot of." Uh, upset people and now we're gonna have to walk it back and do the right thing and it was like okay good on you guys for putting the pressure on them making them do the right thing so that's kind of what happened here was playstation's turn to have that experience 
and it's awesome. But Ubisoft just used this as an excuse to be like, okay, now we're going to jump in there and use this as a goodwill move to be like, oh, as a reminder, you know, our games, you know, you didn't have to twist our arms. We're just going to give you the next gen version for free. I, I really hate that. This is something I complained about a lot last generation, the Xbox One days, the early days in particular, where it was like, you saw that this was going to happen because in like 2014, 2015, what was all the rage was taking the PS3 and Xbox 360 games that came out late in the generation and being like, oh yeah, we're going to re-release Metro. We're going to re-release The Last of Us 1, you know, even though these games were only a year, two years old, put them on the new consoles and sell them at full price. Remember like the beginning of the Xbox One generation was marked by like everything third party is a fucking port slash remake slash remaster slash game of the year edition of a game that came out on the previous console like two years ago. It's fucking stupid. There's way too much of it. And so I think so like Xbox, PlayStation, a lot of these publishers, EA, Activision, whatever, they got addicted to this fast, easy cash. This, oh my God, we can just we can just re-release a game we we put out a few years ago on our new console and sell it to a whole new consumer base for basically brand new game price. Oh my God. And people got really, really greedy and really drunk off of like that easy money. And so when PS5 and Xbox Series X came out, I think a lot of people were thinking, you know, Activision, PlayStation, a lot of these people were thinking a similar thing, like, let's do that thing again. Let's do that thing again. But obviously the market was different. The climate was different. The way the people understood these things was different in xbox set a precedent they're like we don't do that anymore that's shitty if you have a game on xbox one it runs and looks better on series x and if there's a series x version of the game you get it on there for free we're not doing that shit that's 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 scummy that's low life we're not doing that and the you know gamers perception and expectation was different and xbox set a different perception expectation but you got companies like activision who are like oh no 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 no, no. you want to play call of duty black ops cold war on your ps5 you gotta pay an extra 10 bucks you want to play on your series x you gotta pay an extra 10 bucks because they're shitty they're scummy like that and then you got playstation they try to do it as well but the fact of the matter is it's like that's 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 not it's not gonna work this time like we live in a world where, like, we know how this shit works. It's like, yes, extra dev time goes into making the game look and run better on the other consoles, optimizing it for different hardware specs. But that doesn't mean you can just pass that off to the consumer who's already paid full price for the game. You know, whether I play the new Far Cry game or the new Horizon game on PS4 or PS5 or on Xbox One or Xbox Series X, I'm fundamentally getting the exact same game. And you have to take and you have to develop for the new consoles because it's the new standards, the new console anyway. So it's not like it's not like people who choose to buy the game on last gen hardware are, you know, asking for less of a game or or like you won't have to already develop the more expensive version of the game or the higher spec version of the game. You're just looking for an arbitrary line in the sand to draw so you can charge people an extra ten bucks. Because you know you can't get away with the sixty dollar Last of Us remaster for a game that's a year old like they did in 2014. You can't get away with that this time. So they're hanging on to anything, just something to get that extra little cash, which is so petty when you're a company like Sony who doesn't need that extra little bit of money. You'd probably be better off just building the goodwill, which is what Xbox did. They were like, hey, yeah, it'd be nice to have that extra cash, the couple million bucks you'd make from 
charging 10 bucks to upgrade from Xbox One to Series X versions of games, but isn't it just more worth it to build that goodwill with the gamers and be like, hey, man, yeah, we know you bought that game back on the Xbox One, and at the time you couldn't afford an Xbox Series X, or at the time you couldn't find an Xbox Series X, whatever the case was. You know, whenever you get that Series X, whenever you can get your hands on one and it makes sense for you, don't worry, your games look and run best on that Series on that Series X. That's the expectation, that's the precedent's been set, and that's what I think is fair. It's, it's just kind of bullshit that these companies are out here trying to do anything else. Now, obviously, Ubisoft is just trying to get some goodwill here, which is fine. I mean, like, why wouldn't you, I guess, if if the opportunity stands? But it just made PlayStation look that much worse that they even did this. Now, obviously, this is more of a PlayStation story than an Xbox story, but I wanted to bring this up because this is kind of a good guy Microsoft move. I feel like I've been a little hard on Xbox lately. I've been a little more critical than usual. Let's give them some credit where credit's due. This is a this is proof that smart delivery was cool. Smart delivery was a buzzword. A lot of people didn't really know what it meant or cared about it last year when they were marketing it up leading up to the console's launch. But, you know, like, we're seeing this actually be an issue for PlayStation, where PlayStation is looking for ways to charge money for it. Some publishers like Activision are looking for ways to be greedy and charge money for it. And so the, the, the smart delivery name, as buzzwordy as it may sound, actually does mean something. Because when you know a game's smart delivery, you know... I don't have to worry about popping this disc into my console and thinking, ah, uh, is it going to try to play the old version? Then I'm going to have to go to the store and download an update and try to get it to play the right version. Is it going to try to charge me 10 bucks? What's going to happen here? You can just play your game and the console will know what console you're playing. If that game has, you know, if that game can look and run better on that console, and it'll play, it'll optimize the game automatically to how it how it should look and run and play based on your console. And that's really nice. Just taking all of that out of the out of the consumer's hands saying, don't worry about that bullshit. That's our problem to deal with. You just enjoy the game, looking, running, playing, feeling the best it can on whatever hardware you're using. That's a really, really important next gen feature that I think a lot of people were underestimating, myself included, and not really thinking about. But Xbox had the foresight to see how this generation was going to play out and how critical this cross-gen and, and backwards compatible stuff was going to be in, you know, in a world where our games follow us. You know, this isn't PS1 and PS2. This isn't like, oh man, I need to bring Crash Team Racing with me to the PlayStation 2. It's like, no, you're probably you're probably done with Crash Team Racing. You know, you're now you're on whatever you're playing on PS2. You're playing fucking... Metal Gear Solid 2, you're, you've moved on, right? This isn't those days anymore. This is the days of like, hey, I'm still playing Fortnite. Hey, I'm still playing uh, Warzone. Hey, I'm still playing Destiny 2, all these games. It's like, these aren't games that are Xbox One games. These are just games. They exist on Xbox One. They exist on Series X. They exist on PC. They exist everywhere. Like, they exist on iPhone. Like, these are just games. They need to be able to follow you where you go. They need to optimize be optimized and perform appropriately for every piece of hardware that's available for. This shouldn't become the consumer's burden to figure out, you know, people were complaining in the early days of the PS5. I think it's still a problem sometimes where it's like, oh yeah, I got the PS5 version of Spider-Man Miles Morales, but the game tried to play the PS4 version on my PS5, and I only noticed halfway through the fucking game that it wasn't even running the PS5 version, so I had to go in the system and tell it to run the PS5 version, not the PS4 version. It's like, you shouldn't have to be doing that. The console should just know, like, hey, he's on a PS5, let's play it like the PS5 plays it. You know, it's just done. So this is this is props to people like Microsoft. This is props to people like Ubisoft, even though, of course, this is a attention move. They just uh, took advantage of here by capitalizing on Sony's uh, Sony's completely warranted um, uh, headache that they caused for themselves. But, you know, props to the companies that are just like, yeah, we're going to we're going to sit out the easy money there is to be made and charging an extra time. Because the thing is, if everyone agreed, you know, to this, 
There's nothing the consumers could do. If everyone unanimously agreed, Activision, EA, Ubisoft, Microsoft, Sony, everyone, if everyone was like, yeah, we're going to charge 10 bucks to jump from the old version to the new version, Far Cry 6, Halo Infinite, God of War, whatever, whatever game you're playing from, whatever publisher, you're going to have to pay that extra 10 bucks. Consumers would be mad, but they'd have to accept it. But because there are Ubisofts, because there are Xboxes out there who are like, no, we're gonna we're gonna fight this. We're gonna we're gonna do smart delivery. We're gonna show that this should be included. This should be free. This shouldn't be your issue to deal with. It just makes the other guys look really bad and forces the hands of these people to do the right move. So I don't know. Cr- credit where credits due. I think that's cool. Now that's it for all of our big news stories. Now we'll wrap up with the important enough news. These are the stories important enough to make the podcast, but not important enough to warrant their own discussions. Of which we have a, we have a handful of. So this first one, I wrote a note. I put L O L O L O L. So Windows Central reports that the latest expansion for Microsoft Flight Simulator, Top Gun Maverick, is based on the upcoming movie of the same name, Top Gun Maverick. The expansion will feature locations and jets from the movie, and not much else is known about it at this time. But Top Gun Maverick is the sequel, of course, to the 1986 movie, and it was originally set to come out earlier in the year, but has since been delayed until May 27th, 2022, so almost a year from now. And to follow suit with that, Microsoft has announced that the expansion will be delayed to May 22nd, 2022, just five days before the movie comes out. So Microsoft Flight Simulator, Top Gun Maverick DLC, the thing that they spent half of Gamescom and half of the E3 post-show whatever deep dive thing talking about in depth for no fucking reason when no one asked for it. That has been delayed to May of 2022 so i just find it extra funny that we've just had this these deep dives and this game just constantly shoved down our throats like oh dlc for flight simulator that no one fucking cares about and then finally they're just like oh yeah it's delayed <laughs> you just made us watch like 10 fucking minutes of this two weeks ago at gamescom and now you're delaying it i just if I, that's why i put lolol because that's, I, i'm not i'm not mad about it. i'm just i'm just laughing because that's that's silly all right Next, Windows Central also reports that Minecraft Live has officially been announced to return in 2021, continuing as a live stream format instead of an in-person event. It will air on October 16th and will feature interviews from Mojang's team members and community members, exclusive reveals and announcements for the future of Minecraft, and the latest mob vote and much more. We don't have exact details yet, but we're expecting it to be packed with content as per usual so stay tuned for more including probably information on the caves and cliffs update which we keep hearing about but seems to never be coming all right next video games chronicle reports that yakuza director and jet set radio artist ryuta uida has returned to sega after seven years away from the games industry uida who is the art director behind Art director behind Dreamcast classic Jet Set Radio, Jet Grind Radio here in the U.S., is and its Xbox sequel, Jet Set Radio Future, as well as the first two Yakuza games, which were on PS2, has rejoined Sega in May, following seven years of working at Yahoo Japan. Uida's previous Sega credits span from the mid-90s, including creating creature design for Panzer Dragoon games and directing Connect horror title Rise of Nightmares. The former Yakuza director could arrive in the same window as the series' current boss, Toshihiro Nagoshi leaves the company, as we know. Uh, he's been in talks with NetEase, Chinese company NetEase, to go and head up a new studio with whoever, basically on a blank check, and whoever he wants to bring with him to go set up a new game studio for them. So he is likely leaving Sega, which is a massive blow to Sega. So I assume that is pretty much set in stone and absolutely happening. And as such, Sega went to Uida and was like, hey, uh, here's all the money in the world. Please come back. We need someone to oversee this really successful, really quickly growing uh, Yakuza series that we have that's that people in the West are finally taking note of. So 
please, <laughs> we need you. We need help. So that's interesting stuff there. Next, Xbox Wire announces that Call of Duty Vanguard, for those that pre-order the game on Xbox One Series X, are going to get early access to the game's pre- uh, open beta, or sorry, I guess closed beta if it's for those who pre-order, which will take place on, on September uh, 16th at 10 a.m. Pacific to September 18th at 10 a.m. That is Thursday to Saturday. And players will be able to play the new Champion Hill Tournament mode as well as some other classic core modes and some new maps. Then from Saturday the 18th to Monday the 20th, those like myself who will not be pre-ordering the game will have the opportunity to partake in the open beta, allowing players to participate, invite your friends, and squad up bros. So I'm looking forward to playing that next week. I'm I'm growing increasingly interested in Vanguard, so here goes. Here goes my constantly bitches about Activision buys new Call of Duty anyway thing. Maybe I'll buy it over 19, uh, Battlefield 2042, and then you guys will berate me for that. We'll see. Next up, Video Games Chronicle reports that Raven Software, speaking of Call of Duty, Raven Software has unveiled the new Call of Duty Warzone map, which will tie into the World War II uh, game Vanguard when it releases later this year. Confirming at a VGC exclusive from earlier in the year, Raven announced during a live stream on Tuesday that the new map will be set in the Pacific. The new map features completely original locations and shares new engine technology with Vanguard, uh, Raven said, which is powered by an updated version of the Modern Warfare engine. Now, I must say, you guys know I hate Call of Duty Warzone. I don't give a shit about Call of Duty Warzone. I I just saw the, the art for this map. Even though this isn't going to pull me in, I don't care. I'm not going to play Warzone. Gotta be honest. The, the At least the screenshots they release, this map looks fucking awesome. Looks very, very cool. So I, I'm sure the gameplay still is not my thing. I'm sure I'm still going to not have a fun time playing it. But I, 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 must, I must give them credit for this. That map looks fucking awesome. So props to Raven. I don't know how much that speaks to what the game will actually be, but... Looks like a really cool Battle Royale map. Also, we don't have a Battle Royale set in World War II, so that's going to be kind of interesting to have that setting for uh, a BR. All right, and then our penultimate one here from IGN says that Stardew Valley creator Eric Bar- uh, Barone, is that is that Concerned Ape? He's the Stardew Valley guy? Anyway, says that he is currently focused on creating a new unrevealed game rather than a fresh update for his immense, immensely popular farming simulator. Speaking uh, recently to Zach Hartman on Twitch, as reported by Eurogamer. Following the conclusion of the first official Stardew Valley Cup, he explained that he's currently not working on future Stardew Valley updates because he's focused on a new game. That's pretty interesting because that guy's only ever worked on Stardew Valley, so it'll be really neat to see what his next approach is considering the immense success that Stardew Valley was and see, you know, where, where, what he wants to do, how he wants to flex his creative muscle, you know, following a game like Stardew Valley. That guy, that guy is so rich. He never has to work another day in his life. So he could, he could make anything. If he wants to just make a fucking pachinko machine at this point, he could do that and he'd be fine. And then lastly, IGN reports that Bungie is hiring a new senior executive who will help bring Destiny's narrative from video games across to the world of TV, film, and more. A career listing on the Bungie website says a new senior exec development. The studio says that the successful candidate will drive projects that extend the Destiny franchise into new categories, including TV, film, books, comics, and audio formats. What What do you want me to say? I love Destiny. What do you want me to say? Fuck, another video game that's going to turn into a TV show or movie. Cool. Hopefully it's good. I don't know. Maybe it's good. Hopefully it's good. I can't I can't be bothered to care. All right. That's going to do it for all the news. Now, we've been skipping a lot of the new game re- announcements. Back in the day, I used to put a lot of effort into trying to make this like a funny thing. Um, but we keep skipping it or glossing over it or half-assing it. And I, uh, I don't know. I think I might cut this segment from the show altogether. You guys let me know if that's something you think is a good idea. But I will say there are 17 new games announced coming to Xbox this week. 
I don't want to go through them all uh, because generally I just make really trite comments about indie developers or whatever. So what I want to do is just point out a couple notable ones. Obviously, Sonic Colors Ultimate is now out on Xbox. Play that. Play that, play that, play that. Reach out to me. Let me know what you think. Play it. Also, WRC 10 is out now. It's optimized for Series X and S, popular racing series. So if you're looking for something to hold you over until Forza Horizon 5 gets here, uh, which, by the way, we saw tons of new Forza Horizon 5 gameplay footage this week. You know, if you're looking for something to hold you over, that'd be something you might want to take a look at. Also, Life is Strange True Colors comes out September 9th. So the day this podcast goes live, it is available on Series X and S via smart delivery and everything. I, I'm definitely going to play this game. Uh, I'm excited. This is the last time I'm going to give Life is Strange a, a chance. I really loved the first one. I really loved the spinoff before the storm. But I, I And I liked Captain, Captain Awesome a lot, too. I really disliked Life is Strange 2, and I really thought Tell Me Why, the Xbox exclusive one they did, I thought was just okay. So... I'm going to give Life is Strange True Colors another chance. I really want to love this series again. I really liked the older games a lot. I'm, I'm going to give this one a chance and hope to God that's good. It's being released all as one title, so not episodic every couple of months. It's just one complete package, so that's nice. Uh, I'm excited to get into it and hopefully enjoy it, but we'll, we'll see. That's, that's a notable one. One of the other big notable ones I want to point out is Tales of Arise, which is coming out Friday, September 10th. This is a game I really wish I had time to play. I really want to play it. Tale, the Tales of series is like my Final Fantasy. I've always wanted to be more into these, but I'm just not. I'm just not. I've played them on and off. I've never beaten one, but I've played... You know, I got I got through most of Tales of Symphonia back in the day, uh, but it's a Series X title. It's really, really beautiful looking. I downloaded the demo, played it for a few minutes, immediately got kind of bored by it, but this game looks really good and people are really excited about it. And I know it's a I know it's a big deal for a lot of people, so I definitely want to point that out. It does have a demo, it's available now. Bandai Namco, the Tales Company, these guys doing some good work. They just put out Scarlet Nexus a few months ago, which I loved. And uh, hopefully this will be a really good game and people will enjoy it a lot. But I think that's definitely one worth noting. And then last one to, to note, NBA 2K22 comes out Friday. Obviously available on Series X and optimized for that as well. What Nothing here to say except this is a massive release. Comes out every every year and people love it. So definitely worth noting there. So if you're a basketball fan, might want to check that out. And then as a reminder, uh, Games with Gold. So... For September, you got Warhammer Chaos Bane available through the end of the month. Zone of the Enders is available until the 15th, so download that now if you haven't already. Classic Kojima game, which was a PS2 game, but later ported to 360. Samurai Showdown 2 is available September 16th through the 30th. And then Mulaka is available the 16th to October 15th. So download those games, download those games. If you don't want to play them, just download them, have them, or just claim them so you have them in your library. And uh, gamers, that's going to do it for a pretty chunky episode of Xbox On. I appreciate you all being here. Had a, had a fun time talking with you. I look forward to reading your comments as always, guys. I really do mean it. I have a I struggle with plugging myself. I don't I don't like to do it. I fear rejection, and I don't want to be that obnoxious guy who's just begging people on the internet for attention and, and, and followers. But please do, uh, if you're interested, drop me a follow or subscribe, whatever. Check me out on Twitch. It is twitch.tv slash lightningextreme. We'll be live the day this podcast goes live, Thursday night at 8 p.m. Eastern time. Streaming, and we're having a lot of fun over there. But uh, I'm, I'm trying, to, trying to grow things wherever possible. So give me a follow there. Give me a subscribe on YouTube at Lightning Extreme. It is my other YouTube page, not the one where this show goes live. But it is 
my new page where uh, I upload fun, creative videos I make. I'm working on one right now, which I'm excited about getting out to you guys. And then uh, follow me on Twitter at Jesse DeRosa so you can follow along with what I'm going to be streaming, what's going on, updates with the podcast, with the YouTube channel, and all those kinds of things, as well as just some generally stupid tweets. I appreciate you guys' support as always. Thank you so very much. I hope you have a wonderful week. Hope you're getting all in the Halloween spirit as we ease our way into September. And gamers, until next week, you you little X-Bots. You little, just pinch your little cheeks here, you little X-Bots. Until next week, power your dreams. Watch your step and please be safe. And it's a long way to go till we get home. And piece by piece, I took it slow. And I found myself. It's just too much to take And I've fallen away from you